Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser-known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride and at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do, so while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener, and thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Also, as you're listening to one of our early podcasts, may I suggest you skip to at least episode 12, where I guarantee it gets much better. This is Knowledge is Powder, the podcast for skiers and snowboarders. I'm Jim Duncan, and my co-host is Ian Martin. Together, we are the Barry and Paul of ski podcasting. Um, we are joined this week by Alex Irwin, who is coming live from Courchevel, where he has lived since pretty much it was first built, I believe. Um, <laughs> later in the show, we'll be talking to him about the Three Valleys ski seasons and DIY Genefle. Uh Hi, Alex. How um, nice of you to come along to us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely, our pleasure. Um, firstly, I'd like to just welcome you both on my romantic weekend away with my wife. I hope neither of you find that too awkward. Is that all right? <laughs> No, no, that's no problem. Delighted to be invited along. I know, I know for a fact she is really excited to be listening to a one-sided conversation for half an hour. Um, Ian, have you uh, have you been skiing since we last spoke? <laughs> Sadly, uh, not been skiing yet, but um, it will be happening in about uh, 16 days' time, something like that, if all goes well. Fingers crossed. Me too. I'm uh, leaving. I think I'll be skiing on the 22nd of December, so not long. Um, what about you, Alex? You must have been skiing by now. Uh, uh, last Wednesday. Brilliant. Well, I think we'll talk about that a bit later on. Um, also in today's show, we'll be taking our first uh, visit to Korean Corner. This is, of course, about the Winter Olympics in South Korea, not North Korea, as um, obviously nobody puts North Korea in the corner. Um, can't believe I wrote that. Um, but first, let's do the news. <laughs> First up, we have some fashion news. Discount retailer Aldi have launched a ski range. Items include jackets from $12.99, gloves from $3.99, and helmets from $19.99. Personally, I make it a policy not to buy anything from a discount retailer other than food that my life can depend on, so I probably won't be buying a helmet. Um, But I don't think the designs are that terrible. You can go on the website. They're there. Um, Essentially, you can get a full outfit for probably the price of um, one arm of a spider jacket which really makes it a good buy for first-time skiers or children. Ian, should people like Dare to Be be worried about the Aldi ski range, do you think? No, I don't think they should be worried about it. I think you're probably being a bit harsh on, on Dare to Be there, because I don't think they're, uh, they're right down the Aldi uh, end of the market. I think it's, you know, it's a good deal for people who are maybe taking their family skiing for the first time um, and probably going at Easter. might not be such a good deal to get a... A thirty-seven pound package if you're going in January when it's going to be really cold. But but I think um, it's a good thing for the for, for people who are going skiing. I mean, it's definitely going to win no technical um, awards, and I, I doubt they're breathable and have uh, like magic pockets with uh, exciting stuff in. But yeah, probably be quite reasonable. Alex, are you? Uh, would you be tempted by some Aldi ski wear? 
uh, I how do you actually make a decent jacket for twelve and sell it for twelve pounds? Um, I think uh, probably very appallingly. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I would. Uh, I'm a sucker for, uh, for uh, for proper brands, so I'm not saying Aldi isn't a proper brand, but I'm 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 just a, a sucker for certain sunglass manufacturers and things like that. Perfect. So um, not for Aldi. I mean, I'd probably buy a helmet for my kids. I mean, I would buy a helmet for myself, but of course, I'd let my children have one. <laughs> um, Ian, I think you've got um, quite a big uh, news story about an airline. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it was our first uh, podcast where we talked about um, Monarch uh, going out of business. And it turns out, um, released uh, uh, yesterday or the day before, that the new airline Powder, which is going to be flying between the UK and uh, Belgium to Sion in Switzerland, is not going to be starting uh, as originally planned. That is um, sad news. Um, What's the reason for that? Well, according to their uh, press uh, statement, they need to secure three million pounds to operate this season and a million pounds by the end of this week which um you know that you get quite a few businesses that start in the industry and, and don't last that long but most of them manage to get into operation they don't tend to burn up everything they've got and spend it all before they've even started flying so it doesn't really look very positive it kind of suggests that maybe they never had the funding at all to be able to to run for this season it seems interesting i was just reading that um people actually who have booked their flights haven't essentially paid for them either it was they've just reserved them so they haven't received any money from um people who are planning on flying with them right i did not know that I, I, I did a read that they would be guaranteed a full refund. So um, if they haven't paid any money, that should be um, I, easy. One thing I really liked, I was doing um, some research about this, and I noticed uh, in an article in the, in the Independent um, back in June, um, one ski industry executive basically said, um, I don't give it long. In fact, I very much doubt that a single flight will take off. How right he is. Oh, who said that? Um, he wished to remain anonymous. I don't know if it's um, an inside gambit. Right. Well, he shouldn't have remained anonymous he, uh, because now he could uh, steal all the glory. I'm still, I'm still upset that you cut out my bit uh, about Powder in our last podcast where I said I, I didn't think they'd last, although I didn't think I'd say um, they wouldn't even make a single flight. But, you know, it was it was a bit unrealistic, really. The prices uh, were far too high, and the volume of people looking to go out to sea on just isn't that high. But um, you never know. They they have launched a crowdfunding uh, appeal, so you know, if you really want to, there's a whole number of things you can do to help them fly, including you can pledge half a million pounds and get six thousand two hundred fifty-three single flights to use over the next five years. Uh, I would imagine that's probably tempting to use him. Um, well, interestingly enough, for, for uh, that sort of money, you can buy 1,500 um, week-long Zermatt ski passes, 2, no, 23,000 whistling marmots, um, 715 seven nights stay in an average ski chalet, and get this, you could probably buy around about 10,638 flights to Geneva with ski carriage. <laughs> so that was the news. 
Technologies Powder is a podcast for skiers and snowboarders. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the ski podcast or email the ski podcast at gmail.com. Now it's time uh, to go over to Korean Corner with Ian Martin. Okay, Korean Corner. Well, there was some action over the weekend. Um, we were looking forward to seeing how some of the British freestyle skiers got on. And a very good result uh, for Katie Summerhays. Um, she came seventh in the last Olympics in the uh, slope style, and she was second at the weekend in the, uh, the World Cup freestyle event that took, part, that took place in Dubai. So that's, um, that's a really good result. Very encouraging for her because she's had a tough couple of years. And um, also, um, Izzy Atkin came seventh overall uh, in that competition as well. So, um, you know, good good start there. And both of those, you know, have to be considered uh, possibles for medals come uh, Pyeongchang. Uh, there were a couple of other, um, or other Team GB people competing at the weekend. Probably the most interesting is Andrew Musgrave, who's a cross-country skier. He's had some uh, podiums and some good results. Uh, he's an outside chance for a medal in Pyeongchang. He did the 15-kilometer pursuit uh, in Ruka in Finland uh, at the weekend, but unfortunately he uh, he had a bit of a prang. I don't know how bad a crash uh, happens when you do cross country, but I know that he came 28 uh, overall. Um, so not the best start for him, but you know some good experience. And um, you know, a few of the other people um, were uh, were taking part, but I guess the the most interesting one was uh, Emily Sarsfield, who we've mentioned on this podcast before. She was taking part in the Europa Cup, which is kind of uh, you know one down from the World Cup uh, in skier cross, and she finished. Um, they had two races in Pitstyle Austria. She came twelfth on the Saturday and fifteenth on the Sunday. So that you know, those are in, encouraging uh, results for her, and uh, she'll be moving on to the to the World Cup is where she'll be accumulating points to qualify for Pyeongchang uh, coming up um, next month. Alex, are you a big fan of the Olympics? Are you looking forward to it? Uh, I have to say that I, I, I look at the Olympics every now and then and see, you know, uh, but uh, not any one sport. It's purely just uh, what's interesting, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, if the curling's going well, you get into the curling. Oh, no, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't go that far. Um, if I need <laughs> to go to sleep, maybe I'll watch the curling. Um, but uh, hey, uh, we are apparently quite good at curling here. Uh, yeah, our female team, Ruth Murhead, is—they're um, a phenomenal force. She's a professional golfer as well, you know. One of one of one of the things in the winter that uh, the ice rink offer—we offer human curling. I saw that. Where uh, teams of three hurl one person on a rubber ring down the ice onto a target. Amazing. I think um, it's definitely going to be in the next Olympics. Um, the one after this, probably not. They've probably not got time to get it quite in now. Um, and that was Korean Corner. Very good, Ian. I enjoyed it. Knowledge is powder, because being a skier is 1% riding and 99% talking about it. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the Ski Podcast or email theskipodcast at gmail.com. Um, now it's time to chat to our guest, 
Alex Irwin. He is part-time hoodie salesman, the editor of the Courchevel Acquirer, a newsletter for season workers. It essentially was the Hello magazine of the Alps. Now it's online. Uh, more recently, he started a vlog called 150 Days of Winter uh, and has also attempted to make his own Ginepi. In some ways, Alex is the ultimate season heir. Oh, sorry. Um, I should read. Ultimately, Alex is a season heir. Um, Alex, we've never really met. I mean, I've, I've seen you. Um, I did a few seasons in Courchevel myself, so I've heard a lot of rumours um, about the legend that is Alex. One thing I don't understand is, what do you actually do? That is the million-dollar question, I think. Uh, I seem to just bumble along from year to year, and you know what? This is year number 20, so... I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> 20 years of uh, season hour work. That's amazing. Work being a subjective term. Work being a subjective term. So we're no closer to finding out um, uh, what it is actually Alex does, is it? Exactly. It's. Uh, I seem to just be the wrong person in the wrong place at the right time. Uh, so, Alex, I think uh, Courchevel opened up for a, a day, a preview day of skiing last week. How was the skiing over there? It was uh, about 30 centimetres coverage. It was it was a beautiful blue sky day. And they held it on a Wednesday this year, which meant that, uh, unlike the previous year, the entire, uh, the entire France didn't turn up to actually come skiing. Um, and it was not wanting to sound exuberant but it was almost perfect so i noticed on the on the course facebook page a, a photo of everyone queuing up for the uh, for the first lift and i believe that you were in the uh, in that photo yourself uh, you know, how many how many people turned up that uh, morning i'd say about still 30 40 people uh what position in the queue were you uh, number three uh, okay so um, how early how early did you get there not that I mean, uh, about quarter quarter of an hour before they before they opened. So it was. Uh, and so did they pass and just let you straight through? Well, I I have to say I think using the French system there maybe was a little bit of barging in. So. So uh, who, who was um, who was the first to get to get in the queue? But I don't uh, know. No, I think a new generation were were uh, I think the first people through the through the gate. Can't ski instructors just push in? <laughs> uh, I, I I don't think they were officially there exactly. And uh, well, you obviously went skiing last week. What's the what's the weather looking like at the moment out there? Uh, it, when I woke up this morning, it was raining, and uh, in the past hour, it has now turned into snow, and it is snowing quite heavily. Well, that must be absolutely um, great news for the rest of the the season. We've got. Lots of snow at the moment, and hopefully um, it won't stop snowing until the season kicks off in earnest in a few days' time. No, it's uh, it's always a good sign when, it, except if you're a builder who is frantically trying to finish his chalet. Um, yeah, but for everyone else, it's great. Why do they leave it so late? All builders in France, they literally, it's like the last week of the, before it opens, they're really busy. Before that, you've seen, you don't see a builder for love nor money. Um, Alex, Gineppi, let's talk about that. Um, I personally am a big fan of it. Um, I'm guessing that you have a, you are as well. You've made your own. How do you go? What is it? First of all, sorry, can you repeat the question? What what is Gineppi? Um, oh, um, so how do you, it how would do you be, go about making it? It's 
it's the local, I mean, genope is a local flower that grows on the mountain. And rather like the Italians who make uh, limoncello, uh, the local people in Savoie go and mix this with alcohol and, uh, and create uh, uh, um, a nice little aperitif called genope. So how did you make it? Uh, last year, I decided on making a version which is called the, which was the 40-40-40, where you start with 40% alcohol, 40 flowers of genope, and 40 grams of sugar. Okay. Well, what is alcohol? And that's a really ridiculous question. It was just like a, it was a, a, ba- a base alcohol, let's say vodka. Okay. Um, but this year, last year, when I when I when I when I when I let people taste it, uh, I got a very mixed reaction, um, to, to say the least. Um, so this year, we decided to go like into overdrive, and I started with ninety six percent alcohol. Ah, indeed. Thanks, thanks to uh, thanks to some Polish vodka. So Polish vodka is. What forty percent proof? Uh, it's not called vodka, but it's uh, it, 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 it 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 no, well, not quite. It is actually for drinking, so it's. But it does say, "Do not drink undiluted" on the on the bottle. Yeah. So is this sort of um, moonshine easy to come by? Yes, uh, again, because the Italians make limoncello, they they use the the pure alcohol for that. Um, and I weighed up the possibilities of driving all the way over to Italy to pick up a bottle of alcohol, and I thought maybe the internet would be far cheaper than doing that. Is this um, is this a um, a way of making money, or is it a way of making friends? Um, neither. No, no. Uh, we, we we tested out the new the new Genopi this year, and it got going reports. Everybody said it was amazing. And have you got have you got a name for it? Uh, uh, yeah, I call it Genopy. <laughs> yeah, Alex, you've lived in, yeah, you've lived in, uh, you've lived in Courcheval for a long time. I remember back in the day when I was there and probably when Jim was there doing, doing seasons, you could do a pretty good pub crawl in Courcheval 1850. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore. How, how has Courcheval changed over those last 20 years that you've been living there? Well, when I first started coming here, it was there were there were um, a lot of chalet hotels for the English, and you had like people like uh, Bladen Lines and uh, Skival and and all these companies uh, that all ran uh, multiple chalet hotels up here, and over the years. Because in the, in generally with chalet hotels they aren't the newest of buildings, and uh, generally when the lease runs out they knock them down and build five star hotels in the place. Uh, and of course, uh, a chalet hotel can sit an awful lot of clients, uh, and you lose the chalet hotel and you lose an awful lot of uh, of guests. No, I remember back in the late nineties, early two thousands. It was it was like a mecca for Brits. Is that is that still the case? Not at all. Um, so, so many uh, people that I know of, um, because of just generally the lack of accommodation and uh, or the lack of not cheap but value accommodation, 
uh, that people, and also the lack of like apres-ski, that people are look toward to go to Val d'Isère or to Saint Anton, and they openly they openly say that you know. It's interesting what you're saying about the um, the hotels and how there's less people because I remember like um, Crystal having loads and loads of big hotels and stuff when I was working there in 2003 or something. But I was speaking to someone two days ago, and they say that Courchevel um, are really struggling with their lift passes sales at the moment. Like they're hugely down over the last few years. Um, I, it's one of those strange things because Courchevel is part of the Three Valleys. If you measure, apparently, if you measure Three Valley sales, um, including Valtoren and Mirabel, whatever, everything is going fine. But if you were to just measure one resort, then, as you said, that the people might say, we're not doing very well. Oh, interesting. Which is, but I mean, one example, uh, just just uh, last year, a, uh, a an Arab went and purchased uh, a big Mark Warner hotel and has literally just uh, completely renovated it just for himself. Which one was that? The Dahu. Really? That's a fairly substantial property. It was, yeah. It was uh, right in the middle of town. Uh, must have seated about sort of 70, 80 guests. Yeah, I remember going for an interview there once. Um, and now it is called the Jula. And it's just literally all for him himself. Uh, I think it it's under the banner of the K2 group. But I feel that oh, when... they own the big properties uh, up um, by the solarium, don't they? That's where they're at. Uh, yeah. They're, yeah. Um, uh, I think when he comes out on holiday, it becomes his own little place. But uh, otherwise, they will sell it as a hotel. I did a season in Courchevel as well. We used to offer people pub crawls. Uh, Alex, can he still do a pub crawl in Courchevel 1850? Uh, I I think uh, not not an English one, at least. Right. OK. Can you do a pub crawl at an affordable um, budget? Uh, that would probably be a no. <laughs> No, unfortunately, okay. I think you have to go down to sixteen fifty if, uh, if you want uh, anything crawl worthy. Right. Okay. Well, there, there you go. Things have clearly changed over there. Yes, unfortunately. I remember. I'd like. I'd like I've got a story I'd like to tell about when I got into the uh, Courchevel Inquirer. Hmm? Oh, really? Go on. Let's hear it. Was it. A, it was a proud moment. <laughs> My photo was in it and everything. Um, my friend had um, done the classic season air thing where payday is taken all his money out of the cash point um, for whatever reason and then immediately went to the pub and throughout the night he managed to lose all his money um, not through drinking he literally just lost the tin so he had no money or his wallet um, me being the sort of uh, generous person I am I decided to do a season air um, sponsored stand outside the jump trying to sell the big issue <laughs> Um, what I did is I got um, a selection of crystal brochures, some gaffer tape, um, gaffer taped over crystal, wrote um, in uh, marker pen the big issue and stood there trying to sell it. And people sponsored me to do it for around about five hours. Uh, within that five hours, uh, I had most people ignore me. One person say, I can't believe they sell it. <laughs> and one person one person did offer to buy a, a copy when I had to say, oh, it's not really a big issue. It's just a crystal question. But I got my photo in the Courchevel Inquirer. I was very oh, proud of that. Good. Man. Excellent. 
Uh, I'm guessing Alex doesn't remember that. He's uh, done stuff. Um, Alex, um, your vlog 150 days sounds like um, an inevitable product. Leave a man in a ski resort with the internet, a camera and a load of booze. And essentially, this is probably what was going to happen. Can you tell us a bit a bit about the project from last um, season? Yeah, I mean, the, the rise of YouTube and uh, vlogging, uh, I have tried to bring the Alpine flavour into it. And last year, from the 1st of December till uh, the end of April, I decided to make a video every day, which, uh, with mixed results. What was your most popular video? What, um, what did people really enjoy that you were doing? Um, it was general, generally, uh, and this happens apparently to everybody who makes, who starts out making YouTube videos, the the first couple of videos that you make when you look back on them are truly dire you you look back and you go what was i thinking um but of the ones where people kept on coming back and there were there were times when i pushed myself to the limit and i went ice diving why well, did i watch that one that's incredible uh, which i've never been diving before uh and so to to go diving and also go ice diving is something that really I had to turn my brain off to actually do. Um, but it was amazing. Yeah, I can't even swim in a um, swimming pool I, on my own, so I, I salute you for And that. unfortunately, uh, again, just as, the, uh, as my uh, uh, GoPro camera went underwater, the memory card yeah. ran out and so literally it was the ultimate of this is what it looks like under the ice uh, you can't see it mm, so not quite blue planet Sad times. Uh, no no the it, yeah, the big blue are you going to make blue planet 2 this year uh well we this this year we still are going to make videos but we're aiming for quality rather than quantity uh, so we will still be doing drinking videos. We will still be doing, um, uh, we, we, uh, basically anything that is good. Hopefully I'm looking to interview some of the, some people in resort who have okay. good stories. To I tell. like the idea that your, your quality over quantity means that the quality is going to focus on drinking. You, you, you got to know your market. You got to know your market. You? <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, the, the, the production value is what I oh, meant right. by the quality uh, and, and, uh, and, and seasonaires are very well known for their yeah. alcohol consumption. So uh, yeah. high definition drink uh, in 4K, 4K. Exactly. <laughs> Knowledge is powder, the nonsensical name for the nonsensical podcast. This is the podcast for skiers and snowboarders. Get in touch with the show, tweet at the ski podcast or email the ski podcast at gmail.com. Last uh, time round on the podcast, Jim pitched us a ski pole that you could fill up with whiskey. Um, have you got uh, any Dragon's Den or whatever that wasp nest uh, thing is uh, for this week? Well, I thought we'd just um, have a look at this one. Um, it was actually from you. Um, Last week, uh, you sent me an email for a product called the Scroom, 
Um, I can't. I confess that I can't, the scroom, <laughs> the scroom. Um, I, I can't confess right. to trying it, but um, I have watched a YouTube clip of it, which is essentially the same thing. Um, what it is is it's a, a broom head, like an old school big bristled broom head, with a slit in it, and um, a wing nut, and you um, put it on the bottom of your um, skateboard, so you can um, sweep up any gravel or um on the video um on the youtube video of it they were they were swept they swept away a whole pothole which i thought was pretty amazing um Did they? That so um, essentially it's um for skateboarders to put in their bag to sweep away gravel so they don't hit it and hurt themselves which um being a you know an ex-skateboarder myself i understand this problem um and i did wonder why you sent it to me so i had to have a think about what reasons you may use it for for a winter sport i mean essentially it would go on a snowboard is that what you were thinking oh well to be honest with the ic you know boarding board sports uh skateboarding as a, a great crossover and i just like the idea that you could have skateboarders out there who you know rather than kind of fulfilling all of those stereotypes about them being a bit rad and everything they actually just do a bit of sweeping up and a bit of tidying up um, kind of around them, not even just the kind of gravel where they're skateboarding, just a, just a little bit of sweeping just to keep everything in, um, you know, nice. Well, maybe we should give them, give them one of those um, hand grabber litter pickers uh, while they're, they're going around. That way. Yes, they could take that. Really reinvent well. themselves. Um, but to bring it into snow sports, I did think, you know, maybe Shally Host could use it for sweeping the balconies. Um, it could be a handy okay. addition to put on your snowboard um, for those moments when the chairlift is just so deep in snow that you need to sweep it off to sit down. Um, and the other option is obviously you could probably use it for some human curling. <laughs> now that is true. Um, it, yeah, it would fit a snowboard, wouldn't it, if it fits a skateboard? I think that that slit looks large enough and the, the wing nut would tie Indeed. in place. And it's, it's only £20. Yeah, uh, euros. 20 euros. Yeah. Oh. Not one to so, that's so that £30 yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the bristles look very good on it. I think those bristles would really shift a, a snow uh, on, a, on a bench if you wanted to have a picnic there. You'd just be getting it in your backpack. You know, you'd have to decide, am I going to take the, the shovel and probe or shall I take the uh, screw? Yeah, that's it. Let's sack off this transceiver. What I really need is a hard-headed bristle brush in the backpack. I'll just sweep that avalanche away. Um, I think next time, in, should we try and um, should we try and review something a bit more serious? <laughs> oh yes, of course. Um, Alex, would you would you buy the um, the scroom? Any use for it? Uh, I'm not a skateboarder. I'd probably buy the the, the scroom, but with uh, with actual kind of um, proper. Well, yeah, exactly. With a pole, with, with a pole. <laughs> just buy a broom. Yeah. Although you can make the, the ski version that can go on your ski pole. I think we're going too far. Yeah. Um, right, uh, it's time for the snow report. Uh, cool, well, snow, yeah, it's coming down right now. I have just been sneaking a look at uh, Twitter while we've been chatting. And, um, yeah, you know, it's obviously snowing where Alex is in Courchevel. It's snowing in uh, Teen and Val d'Isère. And, and hopefully it's snowing all over the Alps is uh, the prediction. So some areas, maybe... Today and tomorrow we'll pick up, you know, 50 centimetres. Realistically, it might be 30 or 20, but even that um, will be pretty, pretty good. And there's a few uh, more areas that have 
uh, are opening up uh, this weekend and have opened up um you know over the last week so it did get a bit warmer midweek there was a bit of meltage is that a word <laughs> a bit of meltage thawing thawing that's a word Leakage. i think it was a real word yeah uh in the lower resorts um you know in austria some of that snow you know all that snow lower down has disappeared but higher up yeah, you know, it's pretty good um, for for late November. Uh, so, you know, encouraging. Another top up now. I'm not a, an expert on kind of high pressures and low pressures and cold fronts and all that kind of stuff. But um, generally, um, the, the, the the situation is is good for this time of year. And hopefully we're going to this weekend is going to finish with a, an extra top up. And we should be, um, you know, on course for, uh, you know, what would certainly be the best December for uh, for four years. By that, I mean resorts can open. Certainly. I mean, it hasn't all been uniquely positive news because um, last week in Chavinia, uh, which is which is pretty high and they open up early on, but they were closed for three days because of wind. Uh, and then Chamonix earlier in the week had said that they were going to open for a special weekend of skiing. Uh, a bit like Courchevel did the other week, and then later in the week they called it off um, because um, apparently Team. between Monday, between Monday and Thursday, um, the snow conditions worsened sufficiently for them to change their mind. I wonder whether they just thought, oh well, this is uh, going to be a, a good bit of a, a PR. But um, but hopefully, um, yeah, you know, by Monday things will be looking, you know nice and nice and solid which is just as well because we've got december you know by the end of end of next week and the season will be starting uh, in earnest um you know a couple of weeks after that wonderful so everyone can get excited alex can you um round this up by um using some sort of hyperbolic statement about this is going to be the best season ever uh i can definitely say uh currently this year will be the best out of the 20 years that i've been here and you cannot hold me to that at all um but it's snowing and that's a good thing Perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. Ian, thank you as always for your insights. Um, I'm going to get back to um, some romance. Yeah, enjoy your weekend. Uh, I will do. Thank may, you. May, may, I, may I make a, a huge plug for the for my YouTube channel? Uh, in, yeah. in this year, we are trying to reach a thousand subscribers. So uh, I urge anybody who's listening to this to uh, come and watch some of my videos. And if you think they are worthy enough to drop me a subscription and follow me this winter. Do you want to say what it is? I think it's called 150 Days of Winter, isn't it? Is that right? It is called 150 Days of Winter, yeah, yes. So search the 150 Days of Winter and uh, and they can uh, find out how to make a genope and, and other such drinking activities uh, of, and, of very high uh, quality. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, yes. So there we go. Don't forget to subscribe to Alex's YouTube channel, 150 Days of Winter. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes um, podcast or give us a rating or leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. This is the Knowledge is Power to Ski podcast. Music is by FreeFX, Purple Planet and Ben Sound. The podcast was produced by Jim Duncombe and Ian Martin.